Toronto proud to announce from Zurich, Men's League Switzerland, from US program, Austin Matthews. Okay, hey team, thanks for meeting me again here. I hope everyone's doing fine. This is the third part of the COVID experience, or fourth, I don't know. Time has no meaning anymore. I don't really see uh, the world. It's just a basement and some groceries every now and then. I don't know where it's going. Um, so anyway, I'm going to talk about the little bit of news, some projections of what's going on, winners and losers and all that kind of stuff, regular things. Um, it's still relatively quiet everywhere, which is sort of a good thing, sort of not, um, other than some bad news. And yeah, just get going. So starting with the bad news, probably the most important news in the NHL out of all this kind of stuff is the passing of Colby Cave, who uh, wasn't a big prospect. Uh, he's somebody who I think he had a lot of potential, but maybe he was going to be pushed more into a niche role throughout his career. Um but regardless, uh, it's really sad. Someone like that's passed away so young. I think we've all had friends and family who have gone when they were uh, in their early 20s or even in their teens. So it always sucks to see that. I just, you know, you feel really bad for the family. Um, there was some douchebag just making really stupid comments about this. Like, he, he was never going anywhere. It's like, you don't need to say that right now. Uh, you, I mean, obviously you can be realistic of it, but you know, there's just a certain type of like hateful way you can say things, you know, instead of just being honest, like, you know, maybe you never know what there could have gone. And the other thing is like a reflection of a player's, you know, NHL potential might not be necessarily a reflection of like their true potential. Like who knows what he could have done. Could have become a coach, GM, you know, like a trainer, like all kinds of stuff. There's more ways to contribute than just being the players and it's not just the superstars that important so yeah lay the fuck off um where was i go oh yeah the best part about this story though was the fact that how the nhl kind of gathers around players like this it's really nice to see um the sense of community and how everybody just realizes like yeah there's a certain element of like um anger that needs to go in with the game and aggression but at the end of the day most of these people are pretty good people and they care and they don't want anybody uh, to suffer anybody's family to suffer so it was just nice to see the support from around the nhl kind of reminded me of the uh support for bobby ryan how many people were with him when he had to deal with his alcohol issues and then he comes back to the nhl and just has that great story i mean you can't help but feel great about uh that kind of stuff and I just may as well throw this in here because there's noise. There's nothing I can do about the noise surrounding me. Um, this is just the only time I can record, so here we go. Um, oh, further moving on to Corona Rising. Now, 
I kind of like to talk about this every week because it's literally the most relevant thing to anything that's going to happen in the NHL. Um, and I did mention last week how I, and the week before, how I thought about this is just going to keep going and there's just further proof. So currently, I think worldwide, there's something like 1.6 or 8 million or something like that infected. If you look at Canada, it's it's in the 20,000s. Um, and then I was reading, it was on CBC, that the government projects that it'll hit around 5% of the population, which is a little bit over like 1.6 or 1. something million. So if you think that like we need to hit that level before it, like if that's the max level, what's the level where we start pulling back and allowing more people out? Or are we going to hit that level? Because if you if you think about that, I mean, it would take, at the current rate, it would take like two years to hit that level with everyone restricted. So you would need to have like a, a vaccine in place beforehand or something. Um, so that's a little alarming that they think that with the current restrictions, that's the number we're going to hit because it's going to take a long time to hit that. I mean, maybe the the rate of increase will just spike soon and then it'll go back down. But still, what are we talking? Six more months. And some people like to point out to the, um, the government recommendations from Canada and the U S where they say, uh, restrictions probably won't be lifted till June at the earliest. And then, but most likely July, but which restrictions are they actually talking about? Are they talking about all of them? Just saying, all right, back to normal life. Whatever happens, happens. We're prepared now. Or are they talking about like, okay, we're going to allow restaurant workers to come back or something with like 50 people in the restaurant, like a minimal capacity. Is that what they're going to do? Um, because if they do something like that, that doesn't mean bullcrap for the NHL. And I really don't understand. I just don't see a pathway that... The NHL is going to be on any kind of priority to allow the games to happen. I mean, because one, it's a, it's mainly a sport. Um, it's not like, I don't know, local, like getting out in pleasure, like just relaxing some restrictions to help a lot of the people who really need it. Uh, it, it would, it would help a lot of the NHL players and the owners, but it's not going to help as many people lower down the line, like lifting restrictions at the uh, restaurants. And and even if, and the other thing is like, they need to cross borders a lot, like between Canada, US, states, provinces, all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of traveling involved for all the players, the personnel, everything. It's a lot of people moving around. And if you think 30 teams in the NHL or 31, and then however many in basketball and all the other sports, what are we talking? over 100 teams easily so we're talking over 100 teams with at least maybe anywhere from like 50 people per team that's like another 5,000 people moving around across provinces and borders and all that kind of stuff uh is that really going to be in the first rounds of restriction um removals i extremely doubt it i extremely doubt it so even if you wanted to move it to just players uh, playing in front of no fans just to kind of get the TV revenue going. Uh, it still doesn't matter because that that in itself is a huge, um, huge risk factor that removing that restriction just does not make any sense. So I'd be really surprised if anybody decided that that was going to happen anytime soon. 
it just honestly looks like this is not changing until like Christmas. Um, which really sucks. I hate saying that because there's things I want to do too. And I'm sure there's a lot of people who, especially those high risk who really are afraid of going out, that it's even worse for them. Cause at least, you know, I can still get my groceries and go for walks and stuff. And as long as I'm maintaining my personal distance, like even if I were to get infected, it's not as big a deal as me for me as it is for someone else. So I get that, but this is not getting better anytime soon. Um, and so they, they had a little talk about in the NHL, maybe for their playoff format, they would, instead of playing extra games, they would have like a rollback similar to, I think it was the OHL. They rolled back the amount of games that counted towards playoff points to, to the lowest number. So for the NHL, it would be 68. So teams have played from anywhere between 68 to 72 games. Any team that played above 68, those games just don't count which might seem unfair to some people because, you know, if the team went on a winning streak or a losing streak or whatever, that would affect their standings a lot more. Um, but you could also argue that, well, they got to actually play those games and earn the revenue uh, wherever they were. So that's something a little different. Um, and I think that and points percentage are the top two ideas, but they both result in roughly the same answer. So that was actually kind of a good thing. And I think at best, that's probably what's going to happen. Because like, if you think this is, like, let's say September, they're officially letting the sports teams play, there's no time to have a season. It's just get the season over with, play, like, two games or something league-wide every team so that they can at least get some of the revenue back and then go right into the playoffs. That would be the best thing they could do. Just get into it as soon as possible and try and get back to a normal schedule because the more they try and stretch it and just get like the same amount of everything it's just going to get worse and worse and worse and this is probably going to go on way longer than we think so that sucks um next thing so currently there's a lot of nhl players posting how they are staying fit during this and so i decided to look at um, just different resources all over the internet see what i could find on what they were doing and the things they recommend staying in shape and I used a little bit of my um, own background as a personal trainer just to kind of highlight some of the important points about staying fit at this time so the number one thing I know is I'm going to say also a lot of this stuff just sounds intuitive it sounds obvious but if I polled people um, 80% of people who were like oh yeah that's obvious and intuitive probably aren't even doing any of this stuff so anyway the number one thing that I found regularly is that people emphasize you need to have a routine now anyone who's ever been laid off before or just had a period where they didn't work a lot when you don't have a routine it seems like the days fly by extremely fast and you get almost nothing done this is kind of because you wake up in a sense of like just chaos where there's no direction like you don't have to go to work you don't have to go to school you just sort of have to feed yourself and do whatever and what you end up doing is like wasting a lot of time like maybe you look at your phone too much or you're uh, sitting on the computer, you just watch too many episodes of Netflix first thing in the morning before <laughs> getting your day going. <laughs> Maybe from personal experience. And so the having a routine where you still wake up at an early time, like early enough, like 8-ish, like is that really a struggle? Uh, I know some people are going to think that is, but uh, I normally get up at 5, so uh, that's still late for me. Um, but yeah, you still you have that same routine. You get up at 8, have your breakfast, maybe have a shower. Um 
or as actually be more important is you get up, um, you work out, then you have your breakfast, have your shower, um, and then get into the days of other things you need to do. Like, you know, just if you don't have work, maybe just emailing friends, staying in touch with people, uh, cleaning your house, maybe doing some extra cleaning, doing some vehicle maintenance, that kind of stuff. Do the things that are like chores that you have to do. And it'd be nice if you had a little something to do every day. Um, so you have like this morning exercise period, eat, shower, you know, be a clean person still. And then uh, this period where it's like, okay, I'm going to get the shit done. I need to get done, which could involve like cleaning and all that. Um, and then the next important thing is consistency. So you do this regularly. Now, I think if you structured it as, you know, your weekly workouts and your routine um, as something that you just do Monday through Friday and then weekends is still like, you treat it like any other weekend. You just have fun, although you can't go outside because of scary life, um, scary virus. But yeah, you do that and, you know, you make sure you have priorities on point um, and you don't procrastinate. Those things are ultra, ultra important. Again, I know they sound like common sense. They are common sense, but a lot of people do not do them. Um, so make sure you sit down, you write a schedule of like what you need to do first thing in the morning. Probably workout would be the first, would be the best thing to do first. Um, having a plan after that of like your eating and all that kind of stuff, and then getting into the work you need to do, and then having some your relaxed time, which is probably lots at this point. Um, that's. All that stuff is really important. I can't emphasize enough the idea of having a plan um, enough because anytime I've ever trained anybody or even when I've tried to like, you know, hit a fitness goal, lose weight for summer, get fit for hiking, that kind of stuff. If you don't write it down, it's really easy just to forget things and ignore them and be like, ah, maybe not today. But if you write it down, it feels like it's more concrete. It feels like it's actually something you have to tackle, just like a daily list. Um, that helps a lot. But all this stuff, and this is also major experience here and just from anecdotal evidence as well, uh, from friends and other trainers and people I've talked to, um, you can't emphasize enough how important it is to work hard when you're actually working out. I know like, currently there's like a lot of discussions about balance between exercise and diet. Um, it's true. You need to have a balanced diet. You need to like watch your macros to be able to lose weight or stay in shape. But if you don't work hard, it's not going to matter. You can watch your macros all you want. If you're not actually working hard, it's going to be really hard for you to make any meaningful changes. So make sure that whatever plan you have, like let's say it's mostly body weight centric and going for runs or bike rides, uh, make sure something in there is a high intensity and you want to feel like at the end of it, you've actually done something. And the hardest part about that can be actually finding something that allows you to work hard like that. Uh, if you might want to look it up, but you can do things like Tabata squats and Tabata push-ups, and you can essentially Tabata anything, which is uh, the idea that you work hard for 20 seconds, take a 10-second break, work hard for 20 seconds, and do that. Um, I think it's eight times. Yeah, so that works out to about four minutes. If you do that with almost any exercise, it's going to it's going to give you an easy way to improve or to increase the intensity without actually adding weight. It just gives you like a sort of time interval training. Um, it's going to make a big difference. You can integrate something like that into your running or biking. So you just go hard for like a minute um, and take a minute break and then go hard again. Sometimes for biking, uh, I found that 
Like I can do that for running hard, a minute hard off, uh, or like 30 seconds on, one minute off, something like that. But I find for biking that it, I tend to like, unless you have a lot of hills or something where you can use it as a, like a decent, you know, intensity increaser. I find it easier just to have a sort of a steady, as flat as you can, but then just choose a period where you go as fast as you can for like maybe two minutes or something, but then you take like a longer uh, five minute break where you just sort of pedal along because it, I don't know, it just feels like as you're biking, that's sort of the time it takes to get some type of meaningful recovery. So basically, if you take the idea of any type of home workout you can do through squats, push-ups, if you have some dumbbells doing some easy curls and uh, like overhead press, that kind of stuff, um, and then you just imply like intensity with like heavy interval, like fast intervals where you try and get a lot of reps in, uh, and then just take shorter breaks in between, or you know, longer breaks for the biking, uh, you'll be able to keep that intensity up and you'll actually be able to uh, maybe gain a little bit. Um, or at least maintain your muscle throughout. Oh, there's been several studies about the amount of training it takes to actually maintain muscle, and I think it's it's something like 30% of the actual weight lifted uh, volume will maintain your muscle that you gained. So it's not as much as you think, and just like by staying active, you'll probably keep most of it. Um, and as I was reading online through a lot of the trainers, it seems like in the NHL they have something similar in mind, but uh, it's limited to the restrictions of wherever the player can go, so it's it's all over the place. Like some of them still have access to decent gyms and stuff, but they have like uh, cleaners and stuff going in, um, cleaning the area before somebody else comes in, and there's only like one person or something, and they're at a time, even especially for skating. Um, but uh, those people are at least able to just do their regular workouts just by themselves. Um, other people I've heard. They don't have the same options, but they do have okay home gyms, so they're kind of doing the stuff I recommended, where they, they're doing it as intensely as they can with what they have, and that's honestly the best you can do, and you'd be kind of surprised at how well that works, as long as the intensity is the same and you keep track of uh, how much you're eating. Uh, generally, people who like work out really hard, if they don't keep track of their eating, they just make up the calories through, uh, through eating, like just naturally... Um, Trying to, your body's trying to maintain homeostasis and you'll just kind of get a little bit extra urges for hunger and uh, you'll probably maintain weight or even gain weight in those cases. Um, so yeah, track what you're eating, be consistent, uh, have a routine, and work hard and you'll be fine. Okay, and just some minor leaf news to finish it off. So they recently signed uh, Barbashov, Bar or Barbanov, Barbanov. Um, an NHL or a KHL winger uh, to come in. Uh, there's a lot of hype around him. I was kind of surprised. It's a lot of the positive things I was reading. He's supposed to be really fast, uh, great hands, all that kind of stuff. Although they tend to say all these good things about pretty much every player. Um, there's sort of some projections like hoping that he can be just as good as Mikhaev, which I'd be kind of shocked. Um, I think the Leafs have had several Russian KHL players come in uh, and I think Mikhaev's really the only one that's worked out. Because there was Ozhiganov, who wasn't great. Um, he had a good couple games, but not really there. Um, and then Saitsev, who had a great first season, but then kind of fell off. Um, Mikhaev has really barely played half a season. Uh, so we don't really know what's going to happen there. Um, so, I mean, at best, this is going to be a decent player for a minimal price to 
hopefully keep up some type of scoring and skill after they have to get rid of people after this year, which is almost guaranteed to happen. You can think uh, like Kapanen or somebody. One of them is gone. Probably Kapanen. I, I'm putting a lot of money on Kapanen at this point. Um, but yeah, it's another minor signing. It's good news. Uh, I feel like I have to mention, though, that one of the major losers of this whole thing is any player who is called up because of an injury. So a lot of teams at the end of the year, usually in the last few, like 20 games or something, there's always people who are banged up. They always have to call people from the minors. A lot of the, um, um, they get called up and then this is their chance to sort of like give the team a little showcase of what they can do at the end of the season after they've had a full season with their respective teams uh, in the minors or the, I guess you call the AHL. That's still a minor league team. Whatever. Um, but yeah, they get a chance in the NHL to show what they can do in the majors. And uh, they're not going to get that this year because pretty much most of the major rosters are going to be recovered if they do continue the season. So this is a... It's really crappy for this year's group um, of minor leaguers that we're hoping to showcase in the last little bit of the season. It also sucks too. Like, even if your team wasn't doing too well, they weren't going to make the playoffs. This is always a good opportunity to see like how prospects are going to do, uh, and it gives you a lot of hope for the end of the season. But I don't think this year we'll get any of that, um, even if there's a, only a few games. So that sucks. Uh, but anyway, um, thank you all for listening. I hope everyone's staying safe out there. Um, I'm trying to keep up, uh, keep breaking things up and having different things to talk about. But at this point, there is a lot of nothing going on all over um, and I really don't want to talk about the same things as a lot of major networks and all that kind of stuff so I think I have a good I think I have a new plan for next week so hopefully um, that'll give me more other things to talk about instead of just the same boring old coronas murdering us all uh, but anyway thanks for listening hope you had a good day catch you next time